discussing a lot about evangelism and ministering and outreach to others. And the number one thing that comes to my mind um, as you know, I've been thinking about that is family. And the reason that is, is because family is so central to society. It is one of the, it is the building block of society. You know, when a crisis happens, it happens to families. When crisis happens, who do we stick to? Families. When the pandemic hit, where did a lot of people run to? They ran to their families and they stuck together. So we really see family being extremely central to our lives, to society, to uh, uh, many, many things. When they pass a law, we want to see how it will affect our family. And so um, even though this morning I'm not necessarily going to be teaching on the um, family unit per se, I do want to talk about evangelizing to our families. Amen. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we just thank you and we give you praise, Lord God, for everything, Lord God, for your word that is mighty, Lord God, for the privilege, O Lord, of coming to know your holy name. May you use, Lord God, your word to speak to your people. May you minister to us. May you encourage us. May you exhort us. May you inspire us. May you bring us revelation and wisdom, Lord God, as we go through your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Use me, Lord. So this morning, the title of the message is Me and My House. Me and My House. Now, some of you might be saying, well, my family is all saved. I go to church. Uh, my, my, maybe my wife is also, my spouse is also saved. We're good. I want to challenge your thoughts this morning to tell you that winning souls or a soul is not a one-time event. We sometimes think that uh, we evangelize to a soul, they receive Jesus Christ, and then that's it. No, it is not a one-time event. We are constantly bringing each other closer to God, even as a body of believers. That's why we believe a lot in uh, meeting as a body uh, physically. Um, That's why we're so uh, much about, you know, come to church because there's something about meeting with people face to face and coming close to one another, you know, talking to one another. The, The scripture says to encourage one another in Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, uh, to carry each other's burdens and so forth. And so, um, it's very important that, uh, we understand that winning a soul is not just that one time event. It's a continuous event. And so when, with our families, when we're dealing with each other, we have to always remember that we should be bringing ourselves closer and closer to God. Amen. And continuing to win them over because we're all a work in progress. I hope everybody's following me so far. So, um, and the other thing uh, we've talked about this before is the urgency. Um, because it's a continuous effort, it's going to continue till Jesus comes back. 
and he's going to gather all his people and all those who believe are going to go to him and the rest of the people will be condemned to the lake of fire. And so I, I, I'm not here to preach doom and gloom, but it's the whole truth, right? We'll, we don't want to always preach the sunny side of things. We have to understand the whole truth of things. And so I'm not saying that, uh, you know, I'm telling you if your family member or somebody you love doesn't receive Christ, they're going to go to hell. I, I want us to understand the urgency of the matter. So, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain the urgency in this way. If there was on the news, the hurricane of category four outside, the thing that you want to tell your family is to come home quickly. You would spread the news to every single person you loved because you wanted them to be safe and to live, right? It's the same way with the gospel. We have this good news and we have to tell them about the good news and how they can live eternally, how they can live a blessed life. I'm not saying life doesn't happen, but life is extremely different when people know Christ versus just letting them go to hell. Right? And that's the whole truth. It's not about fear. It's about telling people the whole truth. Okay. So with that, um, when it comes to bringing our, our families, I want us to go into the scripture this morning. And this will be basically um, the inspiration of this message. I want us to go to the book of Joshua. I want us to go to the book of Joshua. And uh, the book of Joshua is in the Old Testament. So we're going to go to two books today. Um, we're going to go to the book of Joshua. It's in the Old Testament. And then we're going to go to the book of Acts, which is in the New Testament. Okay, so for those of you who want to put like your bookmark there, find the two books. Book of Joshua is in the Old Testament. Uh, if you go to your front of your Bible, there's uh, an outline, uh, what you call it, an index of the chapters of where all go there. Joshua and then the book of Acts. So who is Joshua? I just want to give a little background on who Joshua is before we get to the specific verse that I, because it's important. Okay. The book of Joshua um, was written, obviously it's about Joshua and um, who is Joshua? So I hope all of us understand who Moses was. Okay. Moses um, led the Israelites to the Jewish people in the wilderness for 40 years, right? They escaped Pharaoh. Moses led them out, helped them escape Pharaoh, brought them into the wilderness um, to their, and, and the whole aim of going through the wilderness was to get to their promised land. God had a promise for the people, the Jewish people, the Israelites, one and the same word, Israelites, Jewish, the same, um, to bring them to a promised land, to bring them out of oppression, so that they will be free to worship their God. You know, they were enslaved during the Egypt when they were in Egypt. So Moses helped them escape, took them out, let my people go, if you guys remember, right? Took them, brought them into the promised land. But the thing was that they spent so much time in the wilderness that um, and Moses couldn't bring them into the actual promised lands. Moses died. When Moses died, God chose Joshua. So now here comes Joshua, bringing them into the promised land. Okay, so this is where the book of Joshua takes off. He's now taking them and leading them 
into the promised land, where they will be free from is the land of milk and honey, right? Free from oppression. They will be free to serve God. They would have food, etc., and so forth. They could live their lives in God's presence, right? So um, Joshua was chosen by God. If you want to read that, you can. It's Joshua 1, 1 through 4. That's in the first chapter. Let's go, let's scoot down to chapter 23, to verse, chapter 23 to 24. Joshua gives a speech. Now, Joshua at this point has become very, very old. Okay, he's very old and about to die. So he decides to address the people. A lot has happened from chapter 1 to chapter 24. A lot. Okay, they, there was wars. They had to conquer um, some of the people of the land so that they could live there. The tribes were divided. People took their land, etc. and so forth. A lot had to happen. So Joshua gives this speech. And um, he's reminding the people, because so much time has passed, he decides to remind the people who brought them there. He reminded them of all the property each tribe and family has, where they came from, why they were there. He reminded them of who helped them defeat their enemies. He told them that God had been on their side. He reminded them of the miracles that happened, the miracles of winning um, the wars and the battles. Uh, where their resources came from, they won because God had been on their side. And with that, he also gave them a warning. He told them that if they went back to the gods of the people of Egypt or the gods of that land, if they chose to no longer worship God, um, that it would not be, it would, it wouldn't go well, well with them. And so I want us to turn to this verse, Joshua 25, 15. And this is how he addresses the people. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in, in whose land you dwell. But... As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. So we see here people who have known God. But as Joshua dies, he's reminding them of the mighty acts of God and that they will continue to still have a choice to make a decision if they will continue to follow God. So the first, my first point this morning is going to be, we always have a choice. We always have a choice. Every day that we wake up, we have to choose what we will believe and who we will believe. Because there's many different ways of doing things, right? We can choose to do things our way, or we can choose to do things the way God has called us to. Some of you have um, heard me say before, every day we will make a choice whether we will follow God or something else. We can choose to follow ourselves. We can choose to follow old wives' tales. We could choose to follow traditions, family traditions, superstitions, horoscopes, the stars, the moon, the sun, 
other gods and idols like money and fame or popularity. We can choose to follow a lot of things. But we need to make the we need to make a decision. If we think that serving God is evil, then choose for yourselves who you will follow. But make it clear and make it known. When it um when Joshua um said but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I, I wanted to bring um, highlight another thing about it. Sometimes as Christians, we think, we declare, me and my family, we will serve the Lord. And we automatically think that we are forcing all of our family members in our house to follow God. But doesn't mean that we force our older children or our other members to go to church or to pray or to read the Bible. This means that we, the ones that are saved, are committed to model Christ in our homes and lead our families by those principles. We are saying that these are the principles that I am going to teach my children, that I'm going to show my spouse, that I'm going to uh, live by, that I'm going to found my family on because I believe in Christ. And through that example, through that way of living, we will draw our family to follow Christ with us. Amen. Are we all following so far this morning? And uh, so next week, we're going to get more into that, to that part um, about what it means to be that model of Christ in our family. Because it's not always easy and it can be quite difficult sometimes. Um, I know my husband and I, as we have chosen to follow God, as hard as it may be sometimes to choose what the scripture says and uphold those principles... Because we, we get challenged every day, right? And so we have to know, we have to be committed and be decisive on who you will serve. So that's my whole point with that. We have to be decisive, be determined, and be committed to the decision we make when we serve God. Amen. My next point. Now we're going to go to the book of Acts for this. We're going to look at two families in the book of Acts where one person decided to receive Christ and then the rest of the family followed. And I want us to look at these two examples because I believe they're in there for a reason. Okay, so my next point, point number two, is the the topic is going to be miracles do happen. Miracles do happen. No matter what, God can save a whole household. No matter how hard, no matter how difficult things may be, what they're involved in, God can save a household. So for this, I want us to turn to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. And it's a little long. It's verses 25 to 34. Acts 16, 25 to 34. Now I'm going to read this story. Um, 
and just follow along. It's going to be a little fast, but follow along with me, okay? Acts, 25, Acts 16, verse 25. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and his fa- all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. Amen. Prison guards in general, even today, are very, very hard people. They are hard people uh, because of the things that they see, the people that they have to um, keep in check and keep in line. They have to be tough. Okay. Um, and, and it's not, it's more so true in that day, because in that day, prisons were very dark places. Prisons were very dirty, filthy places. They were very horrible places where horrible things happen. Prisoners were usually beaten and tortured. And as we can see from this scripture, both Paul and Silas were very badly beaten and tortured that they had wounds and cuts all over their bodies. Okay, so this guard obviously was not, was very hard, a very hard man. We see a very tough and a very hard man. But we see this very tough and this very hard man also falling down to the ground and asking how he can be saved. So let's look at um, some of these things from this conversion that I want to highlight. Okay, there's going to be four things that I'm going to highlight from this story. Number one, I want us to look at the attitude of Paul and Silas. Now, they were actually imprisoned unfairly and unjustly, and they were beaten and tortured. Okay, they were beaten and tortured just because... They were uh, ministering and preaching and they had cast out a demon from this girl. And so the people who owned the slave girl got upset, got mad, threw false accusations about them and they got imprisoned and beaten. So they really didn't do anything evil or bad, deserving to get beaten. But their attitude, but they did not choose, they didn't choose to be victims They didn't choose to be victimized, but what they did was, and it's in that verse, it says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. They chose to wait on the Lord for their next steps. 
they wait they chose to wait on the Lord for their next steps. Um, and I, I think there's a lot to be said about that when we are dealing with so much in this world and things can be so unfair and so unjust and we're believers in God. But people are always looking. People are always observing. And our, our disposition, our attitude, the way we handle something can have a profound effect on the hardest of people. That's one. Number two, next thing I want you to look at is the miracle that took place. It took a miracle to make, to break this man's hard heart. When the jailer saw that the earth moved, the chains fell off the prisoners and the door of the prison broke open. He immediately got scared. He got scared because he thought he was done. He was over. Because what happens is when a prison guard doesn't do his job, fails to keep his prisoners, if one of the prisoners runs away or anything happens to any of his prisoners that's not supposed to happen, they are held accountable and they could be executed. If prisoners escape, that prison guard is executed. So that's why he had drew the sword to himself because he said, I might as well just kill myself because at least this way I'm not going to get tortured because you don't know what's going to happen. He might as well just kill himself and get it over with. And so um, the prisoners definitely had broken free and they could have had just all run away. But Paul told them to stop. Paul told them not to do it because they were all still there. They remained there. This is what made the jailer fall down before Silas and Paul. He fell down on, his, on the ground in fear and trembling and asked, what can I do to be saved? That means that jailer that jailkeeper was watching their attitude. He was watching their disposition. He was hearing their prayers and who they, they prayed to. And this in and of itself evangelized to this jailkeeper. The next thing I want to highlight here is kindness. Paul and Silas could have run away. After all, they were unjustly beaten and in prison, right? If we, if, if something unjust happened to us and, uh, you know, God forbid any of us were jailed unjustly, unfairly, and uh, something happens to the jail, we were able to, we would run. I'm telling you, we would run. But their kindness, because they didn't want him to kill himself, they didn't run away. And they said, hey, don't do it. We're still here. Don't do it. Stop. Don't kill yourself. Because every soul has value. Every soul has value. And you can see that at the heart of Paul's ministry. Every soul has value. And so because of that, the jailkeeper got saved and his whole family because he brought them 
to his home. See, the jailkeeper got saved. Then he brought them to his home and his whole household got saved. And so my next point here is going to be the extra mile. The extra mile. The jailkeeper in turn showed kindness. And it was, you know, the scripture didn't have to state it, but there's a reason why it's stated here. It says, and he took them the same hour, the same hour of the night. It, it was midnight. It's already late. He took them that same hour. He didn't waste any time and washed their stripes. The next thing it says, and immediately he and all his family were baptized. Going the extra mile and having kindness goes a long way. It can save souls. It can save souls. In our families, as we stand as people who believe in Jesus Christ and have come to know Christ out of X, Y, and Z reason, we have come to know Christ. Just having that kindness and going that extra mile can minister to people. And he ministered to Paul and he ministered to Silas and immediately all his family were baptized. Now, when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. This is how he was able to get his whole family saved because of what he did. Not only did it receive Christ, not only was he the salvation, but also because he showed kindness uh, to people. Amen. And his whole family. So miracles do happen. Hard people, hard situations will call for a miracle to happen in order for people to change or a situation to change. But I want us to believe that miracles do happen and they are still happening today. Amen. I don't know your family situation. I don't know what's happening. But if you believe that you need a miracle in your family, believe that miracles do happen. Amen. God can save that person no matter how hard they may seem, no matter how hard the situation looks. You know, God can do it. We just have to continue to stand on what we believe. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's go to um, my next and last point. And this is going to be the next story. Our next story is in Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18. And this point is that a family can bring salvation to a community. A family can bring salvation to a community. Now, the book of Acts, and I suggest that um, if you haven't read Acts lately or if... uh, you haven't read the Bible before and you're just reading parts of it, I encourage you to read the book of Acts. The book of Acts is reads like a story 
But this story is a true story. It's not based on facts. You know how sometimes we'll say this movie is based on true facts. This book are all true facts. These things actually happen. Not based off of. They are actual facts in a true story. And it tells of the acts of the apostles and the signs, wonders, and miracles that followed them as they evangelized and preached the gospel. And it reads in some type of order. Okay. And I'm telling you this because what the, the, the part that we're about to read, we have to understand it. So it reads, then this happened and this happened. And so because of that, so this happened. Then they left here and went there. Then they preached the gospel and then so forth, right? So like when your friend is telling you a story and they're telling you what happened, they're going to say, so I decided to go to the mall. And after that, I went to the restaurant and I met George at the restaurant. So George and me decided to go to see Shaquana and or Shanene and, um, and it goes so forth and so on. Right, that's how the book of Acts reads. Okay, with that in mind, I want us to read Acts 18, verses 5 through 8. It's just a simple little comment, but I don't think that uh, we've always seen it. Acts 15, Acts 18, 5 through 8. And I'm going to read When Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garments and said to them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. For now, from now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he departed from there and entered the house of a certain man named Justice, one who worshiped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. Then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his household, and many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. So let's break down the story a little bit. So when Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, so these are Paul's ministering buddies. Okay, Silas and Timothy ministered the gospel with Paul at many times, um, and they minister together. And so Silas and Timothy had come back from Macedonia, which is a city, from ministering to the people there at that city. So when Silas and Timothy gave news to Paul about the good things that they had seen, now Paul was compelled by the Spirit. Um, and testify to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. Now, it's interesting because if we read the beginning of chapter 8, okay, he's actually been ministering there for a while. In verses before verses 1 to us, it says, After these things, Paul departed from Athens, went to Corinth, and he found a certain, name, a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. And he came to them. So because... So because he was one of some of the street trade, he stayed with them and worked for by occupation. Um, they were tent makers and he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. 
That means that he had been preaching before Silas and Timothy came. But we don't hear of any conversions per se. He was in the synagogues, reasoned in the synagogues every Sabbath, and he persuaded both Jews and Greeks. And so why are the Greeks there? Um, Some say they were sympathizers of the Jews, so they liked to listen in. So they would come, they would still come, uh, even though the synagogue was Jews, they would still come and listen. Okay. Um, and then we see, so he, he even, he even preached, he continued, he said, and testified to that Jesus Christ. But when they opposed, that means the Jewish people there started to oppose his teaching. And he got so upset that he took his garments off and shook them and said to them, he was just so upset. He said, uh, your blood be upon your own heads. I'm clean. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he departed from there. So he stopped preaching at the synagogue. He went to um, a believer's house. He said, uh, Justice, one who worshiped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. So he went right next door and continued to teach and to preach. But as he was teaching there next door to the synagogue, after the Jews had rejected him, here comes Justice, um, here comes Crispus, one of the rulers of the synagogue. And he listened and believed him and his whole household. And many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. I believe that his household caused, like, he was a catalyst. His household caused belief to spread and the Corinthians to be saved. Because it wasn't just him. He brought it to his house. They all got saved. And many of the Corinthians hearing believed. And then they were also baptized. So it's said to believe that Crispus's household was also um, baptized as well. And so scripture is very intentional when it mentions and says things and the way that it says things. And I believe that when they knew who Crispus was, they were familiar with who Crispus is. Um, And as a ruler of a synagogue, I would imagine he had some type of influence. And so I think it caused them to say, wow, this message, there's something to this message. Let me hear better. Okay, And then more of the Corinthians came to know Christ. Because you have to understand the city of Corinth was this place of a lot of ideas. Okay, a lot of ideas. Think of it like the Internet. You know, if you go on the Internet, you're going to hear a whole bunch of ideas of, um, you know, you know, different um, conspiracy theories. You could hear a lot of, uh, you know, just a lot of ideas and, and, and inventions sometimes will come out of it. Science, math, all, all different types of things. And so with that, also sexual immorality happened. A lot of different just perversions of sex um, also happened in Corinth. So they were very deluded people that had their own ideas and they're very opinionated. And so I believe that this this household being saved caused uh, uh, the 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 gospel and then breaking them helping them break break up some of that um the the thinking to say no there's something here 
Okay, and so I'm saying that because our family as a unit, we think that we don't have impact in a community, but we do. People are always watching. People are always listening. And so how we are and what we bring is important. And if a family in a community is saved, know that you have impact where you are and you can model Christ and who Christ is where we live. Amen. My point is that one family can make a difference. We should, un- should not underestimate the influence that we can have and our families have in a community to encourage others and to help others to know God, either because of us or through us. Amen. So I'm going to stop here and I'm going to bring this to a close. The family unit is very crucial to our society. And I believe that the family unit is very significant to God and it is also significant to spreading the gospel of Christ. And we should not take that out. And I want us to build up the hope and the faith that our whole household and our family can be saved. And we should also encourage one another and spur each other on for more godly works so that our souls will continue together to be saved, to to have salvation, to know who Christ is, and to deepen one another's relationship with Christ. Amen. Let's pray this morning. I want us to pray um, two things. That we're going to pray that we continue to hold fast to God and his principles in our household. um, To hold on to our salvation. And second, that the members of our household that are not saved yet, that they may come to know Jesus and receive salvation. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you and we praise you, Lord God. We have heard your word, O oh Lord God, that you have impact, Lord God, in our families and that we can have impact in our households, Lord God, to bring other members. Lord, may we continue as believers in our home to hold fast to, your, to, the, to our faith, to the principles which you have taught us, Lord God. May we be people, Lord God, that show the love of Christ to our family members and to our community, Lord. In the name of Jesus. And for those of our family members, Lord God, this morning who are still not saved, and, and we're we're gonna pray for them this morning, that Lord, that you touch them, Lord God, that there were even if they're having a hard heart, Lord God, their heart heart, miracles do happen, Lord God. We pray, Lord God, for them, O oh Lord, that they would come to receive Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, Lord God. We believe that you can do it. We believe that you want our whole family to be saved, Lord God, and we pray for them and intercede on their behalf that wherever the enemy, Lord God, is lying and deceiving to them, may they see the light, may they see the truth, O Lord God, may their truth come to their heart and in their mind in the name of Jesus. We thank you and we give you praise, Lord God, for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Over to you, Pastor Steve.